Welcome back. Catholic Answers Live. I'm Cy Kellett, your host, and as promised, Jimmy Aiken here with us this hour to continue uh, what is a new thing for us, uh, open forum for those in the RCIA. RCIA is the process that's most commonly uh, employed for folks uh, to come into the Catholic Church. So if you're in the RCIA, it's open to you, but also if you're an inquirer or if you're thinking about entering the church or if you're coming into the church receiving the sacraments uh, through maybe just instruction with your pastor or something, that's all fine. People coming into the church, it's an open forum. 888-318-7884 is the number, 888-318-7884. And Jimmy was just pointing out to me that I, sh- I should uh, say this uh, as well. Uh, you, you, uh, we don't intend that you just have to call and ask about the RCIA if there are questions that you have. If you're in the RCIA and you'd like to know something about the rosary, or you'd like to know something about, you know, uh, the the liturgy of the Word and the liturgy of the Eucharist in the Mass, or, you, you know, anything, you can call and ask any question you want. If you are new coming into the Church, uh, or you'd... Uh, and you have a question, or if you're new coming to the church and someone around you has a question that you'd like help answering, 888-318-7884 is the number, 888-318-7884. Jimmy Aiken is senior apologist, and uh, usually we have some groovy music when Jimmy's around, but it's Friday, so I don't know if we're set up for that today. It takes a whole team of people to bring us the groovy music. Jimmy is, uh, as I said, senior apologist, but he's also the proprietor of Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World. And Friday is the day for Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World to drop. And this morning, what dropped, Jimmy? We were answering patrons' questions, including on subjects like the Shroud of Turin, baptizing robots, cryptids like the Jersey Devil, and sky jellyfish, among others. Now, yesterday, uh, you left out the sky jellyfish. Were you not aware that that was coming or that that would fascinate me? No, I recorded it some time ago, so oh. I knew it was coming, oh. but, you oh. know. I'm I'm a little scared now, though. I didn't know that there were mm-hmm. sky jelly. One more thing to worry about, Jimmy, in these troubling mm-hmm. times. Well, the sky jellyfish don't appear to be harmful to humans, at least not the ones that have been historically reported. Although there is a Japanese uh, kaiju movie called Dogara in which there is a giant sky jellyfish that menaces humanity and causes tornadoes and things like that. Thomas is holding his thumb up. I suppose he's seen Dogara. I guess he's giving it a thumbs up. Uh, It's also because it was made in the 1960s. It's got like a James Bond spy plot happening at the same time the monster plot is unfolding. (laughs) And by the end of the movie, they use, I think it's like bee venom to crystallize the sky jellyfish Dogara. And it comes apart in fragments. And one of the giant fragments crashes down on the evil spy bad guys on the beach. Oh, it all works At out. The end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great crescendo of action. Uh, 888-318-7884 is the number. Lots of folks on the line, Jimmy, uh, from uh, RCIA or in other ways coming into the church. So I'm going to go right back to the phones. Okay. All right. Let's go to Isaac in San Antonio, Texas, listening on 89.7 FM. Isaac, thank you for your call. Go ahead with your question for Jimmy Aiken. Hi, how are you? Can you hear me? Very well. Yes. So I just had a quick question. I guess y'all kind of covered it in the last um, few people that I called uh, as as the process not being so strict and stuff. But um, I've, I've been Catholic my whole life, you know, cradle Catholic. And the girl that I'm dating is not, um, and she hasn't even been baptized yet. Both of her parents were Catholic. Um, 
they just, I guess, stopped practicing and decided to not have her baptized. And now as she's been exploring the faith and learning and everything, um, she's curious, but I guess, like, hasn't fully, like, committed enough to, like, start ICA yet, but she wants to be baptized. And what, like, is there a way to go about that without, like, entering, like, the other steps of RCIA yet? Or, like, how, how, how does that work? Okay, well, I uh, I caught a little bit of the previous hour, and I'm not I, I'm not sure what all got discussed, but uh, some of the comments I heard in the previous hour um, were that RCIA can take two years, and that's true in some parishes it can, but in in other parishes it doesn't. In other parishes it doesn't take that long; it can take less than a year. And so I wouldn't, uh, if, if you had heard the two-year t- time frame, well, that's something some parishes do, but not all. And so there are, in addition, other options like taking private instruction in a kind of simplified RCIA process. Um, you have to find the right pastor to for that to be an option, but it's something that is possible. But ultimately, since she's not baptized, she does need to go through some form of the RCIA program, but not necessarily the lengthy, full-blown one uh, that uh, that some parishes have. There are simplified alternatives, and so it's simply a question of uh, of exploring the local situation and seeing what can be arranged. Um, now, if she were, God forbid, in danger of death, well, then she could be baptized very expediently, but as long as she's in good health, you know, it's reasonable to have some form of pre-baptismal instruction that needs to be there, and it's just a question of trying to match her situation with what's available locally and finding the best fit. Okay, Isaac? Yeah, that, yeah, that that's pretty much covers it, and that's, like, I had, I had known that there's other options, but she was just, you know, with everything going on in the world now, it's, there's nothing like imminent like fear of death or anything, but like she was just wondering because she's a full-time student and stuff, and she's actually in a different state than me, um, and she's kind of talked I think to the the priest there locally, but their program is kind of long, um, and so she still has about a year left of school, year and a half, and so we were just looking for like the the best w- way around that. But I guess we could just explore other options up there and see if there's anybody close by that has something shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sounds good, and and, God, and you said uh, you're coming into the church uh, this year, Isaac. Did no, I get? No, he said he's Catholic. Oh, you're Catholic already. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. I hope it's helpful to you, and I uh, hope it's helpful to your girlfriend. I'm going to go now to Holly in Ohio, listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Holly, thank you for your call. Go ahead with your question for Jimmy. Well, thank you for being there. This is a great topic for me because. Um, I want to be a Catholic more than anything in the world, and I'm 66 years old, and I'm a psychiatric nurse. And my husband passed away; he died last month. I'm sorry. And, so sorry. Yeah, but I won't. Um, I'll spare you my coming home story. But I was baptized as a baby in the church, and my parents dropped out because they wanted to take the pill, and the parish priest kind of kicked them out. They said, and so I was never brought up in the church, so I never had my first communion. And then when I met my husband, he had been married and divorced, and he never got his first marriage annulled. And we were married, well, St. Patrick's Day would have been 42 years we were married. Wow. But we were married in a Lutheran church. Well, 
when he got very ill, he was ill for a long time, sicker and sicker. And um, when he got so sick and he was suffering so much, I just felt the spirit come on me and I started praying, which I hadn't been used to doing. And I prayed to the Lord that it be his will that my husband be spared from the suffering path to go ahead and do it. And he declined fast after that. So I have to think somebody was listening. Somebody was listening. And then after he passed away, I kept getting the feelings and a stirring that it was time now that I was able to join the church. So I have inquired, um, of the pastor that did my husband's funeral. Um, and I was told that I would have to enter RCIA and I have to go with the children. Oh. I'm the only adult right now. And they told me, well, I was surprised. They said, oh, well, yeah, you can um, probably end up taking, you know, taking your communion, your first communion at Easter. But they meant next Easter, not just Easter. And I'm no spring chicken. So what mm-hmm. do you do? I mean, and it is bureaucratic because initially this young priest said that he could help me do it like on a fast track. Well, now I hear, no, you have to go through everything else and it's going to take at least a year. Do you parish shop or something? Or don't I, shouldn't I go to my own geographical parish? You, you are free to attend whatever parish you want. You are not bound to receive, um, the Eucharist in any particular parish. Now you're already baptized Catholic, correct? Yes. So you are a Catholic, and all what you need to do is go to confession, and you can begin leading a normal life as a Catholic. Now, in terms of there are two sacraments that you have of initiation that you haven't yet received. One is confirmation, and one is the Eucharist. Correct. Correct. Okay, so. So the thing is, you already are a Catholic, and you don't need to take RCIA for that purpose. Um, it is useful to, although not to have some instruction just to make sure that you're uh, ready for the Eucharist, but you don't have to be confirmed before you can receive the Eucharist, and you um, will need some instruction before being confirmed, and that could take a while and so forth, but your situation is one where there's no barrier in principle to you just going to confession and beginning to receive and taking maybe a little bit of instruction and receiving the Eucharist. You don't need a year or two years or anything like that in order for that to happen. And so if you're having difficulty with a particular parish, then um, I would say, well, you're certainly free to contact another parish or other parishes and see what they can do for you. But uh, if all else fails, you can contact the bishop and say, look, I'm I'm 60, I think you said 66 years old, and I don't want to have to wait another year before I begin receiving the Eucharist. I, you know, you could... It, receiving confirmation is not as urgent, but the fact is you already are a Catholic, and the barriers to exercising a normal Catholic sacramental life are not as great as what it's being made to be sound, not in terms of what canon law says. Hey, I'm not just trying to make myself legal. I get a lot out of prayer, 
And mm-hmm. I just yeah. discovered EWTN when my husband got ill, and I've received a lot of comfort and a lot of education. I soak it up like a sponge. But the only thing, the only other thing I want to say before I hang up, because I know you have other callers, I love all of you. I love to hear you, and I learn every day from the saints and just every speaker and uh, Mother Angelica. I'd never heard her before. I, I love listening to her. But you all seem like biblical scholars, and I wonder if I'm ever going to learn enough to be able to on even a close level to understand it. Well, uh, that's the fun thing about uh, about existence, is we're always learning both in this life and we'll be learning in the next. So there's always new stuff to discover. And there's always Father Mike Schmitz. I don't know if you know if you got my reference, Holly. But I have a question. I'll call back. Okay. Yes, you're you're all, you're always welcome here, Holly. It's a, uh, yeah. Your story is is a beautiful one, and and God bless you, and thank you so much for the call. I do hope it all works out that you can uh, uh, begin receiving Eucharist uh, sooner rather than later. But we have to take our break, so I'll do that. We'll be right back with more Jimmy Aiken Open Forum for those coming in to the Catholic Church. Miss a show? Make sure to catch up by downloading the podcast available online at catholic.com. The Aquinas Writing Advantage program is part of Homeschool Connections' set of online courses for your Catholic homeschool. Homeschool Connections' website is homeschoolconnections.com. Underwriting for Catholic Answers Live is provided by Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. On the web at realestateforlife.org. The most original Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. What have you always wanted to know about the Vatican? Well, I'm your Vatican Insider, and I answer that question when I bring you the news about the Pope, Vatican City, and I share insights and stories from a broad spectrum of church ministries. Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis, Saturday night, 9 Eastern, on EWTN Radio. Welcome back. Catholic Answers Live. Right now, the store-wide spring sale is on over at shop.catholic.com. Everything is marked down 10 to 25%, in some cases more than 25%. Hundreds of great Catholic resources. Just click away at shop.catholic.com and make sure to sign up for Catholic Rewards. It's your way to get free stuff. So, so many ways to save. Good time to go over to shop.catholic.com. Jimmy Aiken is our guest uh, we said open forum for those coming into the church, and I, you can ask about anything you want, but I do notice that a good number of the questions have to do with the RCIA process itself. So but I just don't want you to feel that it's, a, that it's open forum just for questions about the RCIA, but any question that you in, might have. In, in, in fact, it won't be our best two hours of radio if, if it's I, all two hours of, well, look around in your area for some additional options. So feel that, free to, that can be That can be answered in one question. We don't need to do 20 on that. Right. Maybe you got a question about the, uh, the moral teachings of the Catholic Church, the sacramental teachings, the uh, doctrines of the Catholic Church, any of those questions. Uh, uh, we'd love to talk with you about those. Let's go to Chris in Delafield, Wisconsin, listening to EWTN on Channel 130, Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Chris, thank you for your call. Go ahead with your question for Jimmy. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, this is an honor. Uh, Jimmy, uh, you're one of my favorites, uh, so thank you very much for taking my call. Thank you. Um, 
So uh, my fiance is um, a non-denominational Christian. Uh, mm-hmm. She was actually baptized Catholic, mm-hmm. um, but her parents left the, the, the church shortly after she was born, um, and they've become hardcore evangelicals. Um, but the more that I share my faith, the, the Catholic faith with her, I feel her becoming more and more open. I mean, we watch Catholic Answers together. Um, we pray together uh, before meals, and I feel that she's becoming more and more open to the faith. How can I, I mean, ultimately it's up to the Holy Spirit to guide her back to the church, but how can I support her? And do you have any suggestions on ways that I can, I guess, kind of nudge her back into the church and and not force her? Because I don't want to do that either. But I think there is, yeah. like I said, a lot of curiosity and openness in coming back into the church. Well, it sounds like you're doing a good job already. I mean, you're, you've been sharing uh, the Catholic faith with her. You've been watching uh, Catholic media together, and that will naturally, you know, as she, it, you're doing the basic thing you need to do, which is provide her to exposure to the faith that she was baptized in. And it sounds like that that's leading to um, her experiencing curiosity about it and openness about it, and all that's good. And if I would. I wouldn't try to force it on her, but um, if, uh, you know, if at any point she has questions, she is welcome to call and ask them. You're welcome to call and ask them on her on her behalf. Uh, we've got lots of materials at catholic.com uh, that are available just online for free. We also have, you know, books and, and uh, DVDs and things like that that uh, you might enjoy together. You might consider reading something together. Um, Sai, maybe we can send Chris and his uh, fiance a couple copies of The Words of Eternal Life, which is a little uh, very short book that I wrote that explains the basics of uh, the of the Christian faith and the Catholic faith specifically. And it's a very short, easy read. It's it's written to be very friendly and accessible. And uh, maybe you'd like to uh, read that together and talk about it. Um, in addition, at some point, uh, you know, having her go to Mass with you, inviting her and say, hey, you want to come and see see all this in practice uh, and learn about how how the Mass works. Uh, that would be a, a good, a logical step at some point. Chris, if you just hang on the line, we'll get an address and we'll send you two copies of Jimmy's book, The Words of Eternal Life, True Happiness, and Where to Find It. Uh, and uh, just hang on. We'll get that to you. Let's see, where are we going next? Uh, we're going back here to California. Eric in Los Angeles, uh, listening on Catholic.com. Glad to have you, Eric. Go ahead with your question for Jimmy. Hi, it's really honored to be asking you guys a question. Um, so I'm moving in a few months to Arizona, most likely, and I'm planning on attending a Tridentine Latin Mass there. Mm-hmm. I'm in the RCIA program at a wonderful... Uh, Novus Ordo Diocese in Parish now, but I'm wondering if I should wait and receive my sacraments at the TLM Parish. I read, you know, with, with regards to the, the old rite of baptism versus the new rite with the second exorcism, is there any graces I'm going to be missing out on? Should I keep it, you know, continuity with regards to getting everything in the old rite, or should I continue where I'm at? Uh, and it's almost over, you know, a few more months. You should, be, uh, you, given uh, the circumstances you describe, Eric, you should continue where you're at. Um, there, are, there are not additional graces that um, that one receives from receiving one particular form of the sacraments over another. All of the different Catholic rites, whether they are the uh, the mainstream Latin rite or the traditional Latin mass or the 
uh, or liturgy or the um, Byzantine liturgy or the Maronite liturgy or the Chaldean liturgy. They're all the same sacraments, and they all communicate the same grace from God. And given how close you are to completing your uh, your uh, initiation where you are, I would say just continue it and uh, complete it where you are, and then when you move to Arizona, attend whatever parish you like. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Eric, um, uh, maybe you could do me a favor. Just say hello to the rest of California when you get to Arizona. I think that everyone else has moved there. Okay. <laughs> or yeah, Texas or other yeah. places. If you go by Texas, there might be some California there, too. There's a little bit of California. A lot in, a Idaho, lot in Colorado. Now. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks again, Eric. God bless you. And welcome. And, and uh, many blessings as you come into the church. Uh, Alan in Texas, uh, listening to EWTN on Apple Music. Didn't even know you could do that. Alan, go ahead with your question for Jimmy. Hey, it's nice to talk to you guys. I listen to you all the time. Oh, thank my you. Wife. Now, I've been taking my wife to RCIA, and, and I was interested too. And so I've really been studying with the Catholic stuff. I even bought me a Catholic Bible. Well, my wife did. But I just. The. Mary or the Lady of Mary and the saints, you guys place a lot of emphasis on them, but Paul goes into great detail in Romans and and I don't know, I just don't see great detail in the Bible about this. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. Paul would have went into some pretty big detail on it. So uh, so you want Jimmy to explain where we Catholics get this idea that Mary and the saints are as important as we make them? Sort of, because I mean, okay. I mean, you guys so up? go ahead, Jimmy. Yeah, hang on, well, Alan. Um, so essentially, what you're proposing here is a kind of is what's known as an argue in philosophy is known as an argument from silence an argument from silence says well here we have this resource and it doesn't mention or doesn't go into a lot of depth about a particular topic and therefore this topic isn't important or isn't true or something like that and one of the things that philosophers have noticed is that that very often, in fact, most of the time, arguments from silence don't really work because just because a particular resource doesn't mention something doesn't mean that it isn't important or that there aren't truths connected with it. It's just that, well, that resource doesn't happen to mention it. And you mentioned Paul's uh, letter to the Romans, and okay, it's true. Uh, Mary is only mentioned very briefly in Romans, but Romans has a particular purpose for existing. Um, Paul is writing to the Romans not to give them an explanation of the Christian faith as a whole. He's writing for—they're already Christians. Um, They already have multiple churches. And you can even tell by the greetings that Paul gives at the end of Romans how the local Roman Christian community was, um, was structured around certain different churches. And we can identify what those churches were and who was attending them and whose houses they were meeting in and things like that. So they're already Christians. He's not writing to tell them about, here's the Christian faith, here's a catechism of what we believe as Christians. Instead, he's preparing to to come to Rome for the first time 
He's never been there before, but he knows his reputation has preceded him. And one of the reasons that it's preceded him is because there was a controversy going on in the first century church at this time about whether or not you needed to be a Jew in order to be a Christian. And so the issue of Jewish-Gentile relations as Christians was a big controversy at the time, and some people had been slandering Paul, saying false things about him. And since he's coming to Rome for the first time, he wants to clear away those misperceptions. And so he's writing to them to say, hi guys, I've wanted to come to you a lot before now, but I've been delayed, and I want you to understand my position before I get there. And so because he's been slandered in connection with his uh, teachings on the relation of Jews and Gentiles as Christians, that's what he goes into in the letter. That's what dominates the letter from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 11. And so that's the real purpose of Romans. It's to allow Paul to introduce himself and correct misunderstandings of his position on the question of Jewish-Gentile relations, and say, well, here's what my position really is. And so in that context, you wouldn't expect him to talk about Mary or the saints, because that's not what the controversy was. And so um, that's same thing is going to be true, not only of Romans, but of all of Paul's other letters, because there was no controversy about Mary and the saints in the first century, and as a result, Paul didn't need to write about them when he was writing to people who were already Christians and already knew the faith. Alan, uh, thank you so much. I hope that answer was helpful to you. Lots of folks on the line. Jimmy Aiken here as our guest. We'll continue with our open forum for those coming into the church right after this on Catholic Answers Live. Here's a question. Is it really possible to be friends with someone who died 2,000 years ago? Maybe the problem is that we've grown way too comfortable with the story of Jesus. Nice man, right? Taught us to love one another, said not to judge people. We celebrate his birthday every year. It's time to put away this small, safe version of Jesus, says Cy Kellett. Nobody that bland could have transformed the world. In a teacher of strange things, Psy presents Jesus Christ undiluted by sentiment, with all his radical words and deeds uncensored. Do you know someone, your son or daughter perhaps, or maybe your mom or dad, who needs the friendship of Jesus Christ? Do you? Order your copy of A Teacher of Strange Things by visiting shop.catholic.com today or asking for it at a good Catholic bookstore near you. Have you enrolled in the Catholic Answers School of Apologetics? Let me ask you a more important question. Do you believe as a Catholic that you have an obligation to share the Catholic faith? In fact, the Church has answered this question, and the answer is that all confirmed Catholics are obliged to share the faith. It's actually in canon law. Catholic Answers is here to help you fulfill that obligation. Our School of Apologetics courses will equip you to help all the people you come in contact with understand what the Church teaches and why. A great place to start is with all the Catholics in your life. Learn the art of apologetics from the best of the best and start sharing the gospel today. Visit schoolofapologetics.com. That's schoolofapologetics.com. Did you know you can access Catholic Answers Live right from your phone or other mobile device? 
Download the Catholic Answers Live app today. The Catholic Answers Live app, available now on iOS and Android. How much do you use social media? We'll talk about that Monday on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. On most of these EWTN stations. Now, back to Catholic Answers Live. Welcome back, Catholic Answers Live. I'll tell you what I'll do. This last half hour of the week, I'll, anybody calls with a question, good question about the Catholic faith, any question about the Catholic faith, I'll let you on. Uh, we, we'll, if those in RCIA, we'll perhaps try to give them priority uh, to, as we go forward. But, uh, you know, open forum. We, we invited uh, those in the RCIA to ask any question they wanted to ask about the faith, particularly as uh, things become a bit more intense for many people as they approach the reception of the sacraments. Maybe you got questions. Maybe you got something that you still are not quite clear on. What does the Church teach about that? You need that uh, clarity. Uh, we are inviting folks to give a call. But if any, if, you, if you're if you're not in the RCIA and you got a question about the faith, we'd love to answer your call too before we end the work week around here. 888-318-7884. Up next is Emma, Hayden, Idaho, listening on the EWTN app. Emma, thank you for your call. Go ahead with your question for Jimmy. Well, I am an RCAA, and it's mm-hmm. both of you guys' fault. You're to blame for oh. it. Oh, but I'll happily take yes, the blame absolutely. for that. I, well, thank you. I, I want to take you. some of the blame. You, oh, you Cy, do too, don't Cy. worry. People blame You're you there all every the time. Day for us. Thank every you. day for us. Well, thank you both for <laughs> encouraging me. What do you got for yeah. us? What's the question? Okay, I have a question about the fathers, but I wanted to. Um, I came from Protestant, and mm-hmm. I gave him my baptism paper. It didn't say anywhere on the paper that I was na- baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I know the the whole debacle with the priest who said we instead of I. Mm-hmm. Where does that leave me? Does does that? How can they be sure that I was baptized validly? Well, this we thing is is not something that goes that has a real history. Um, it's this kind of hip, loosey goosey thing that's only come up in the last few years. And so as a result, Protestant churches historically have used the same words uh, for baptism that the Catholic Church has, uh, I baptize you. Um, what, uh, what Protestant church were you baptized in? Presbyterian. Presbyterian. So Presbyterians uh, historically have used the the standard formula that all other Western Christians have, and it it shouldn't be a problem. If you have concerns, there are a couple of things you could do. One is you could contact. So it just should not be a problem. The odds are there's no problem here. But uh, one thing you could do is contact the church that you were baptized in and say, "I just want to verify. I'm I'm becoming." Catholic, and I want to verify the formula that was used in baptism. And um, they can probably tell you what their denominational policy is, and um, you could say, well, is there any reason I would have to worry that someone might have used we, and and they're likely to tell you, no, there's that, that's not something that's been happening in our church. But if... Um, if there was uh, remaining significant doubt about this, you could have a conditional baptism. And a conditional baptism is one where a formula is used like, if you are not already baptized, 
I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that way it respects that you may already be baptized, but it takes care of it because it uses the formula, if you're not baptized. Um, but it also acknowledges the possibility that maybe you're not, and so we're uh, going to make sure that we take care of that just on the off chance that that's the case. And, um, you know, I myself had some doubts when I was becoming Catholic about the validity of my original baptism, and so I personally, I insisted on a conditional baptism. But, uh, you know, that's something that um, you really probably don't have to worry about because Protestants historically have used the same formula as everybody else. And But those are the two things you could do if you do have concerns. You can contact the original denomination and talk to them, um, or you could see about pursuing a conditional baptism. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Well, Emma, thanks. And Go ahead. Can, I, I got to meet the bishop last week, and I was just so excited. Uh-huh. It's just a cool. milestone. So I, yeah. That... He knew who I was. Oh, <laughs> Emma, I'm so glad. You must be Emma. Anyway, I'll save my other question for another time. Well, we're always happy when you call, so we'll look forward to it. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Cy. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. Uh, Eight, eight, eight. In, incidentally, that is another illustration of why priests and deacons need to say the black, do the red, and don't screw it up. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it, it generates worries on people's part, often very unnecessarily. And and that's why they need to do what the liturgical books actually say to do instead of trying to be hip and trendy and loosey-goosey. There is a time to be hip and tre trendy and loosey-goosey, but it's mostly when you're uh, listening to record albums. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Erica. Wait, am I right now? Erica in Salem, Oregon. Yeah. I believe I am, right? Uh, listening on Modern Day Radio. Erica, thank you for your call. Go ahead with your question for Jimmy. Well, hello, and thanks for talking to me. We're happy um, to. My question is, um, we are a family of non-denominational or solo scriptura-based Christians, um, uh -huh. and... I am very interested in joining the Catholic Church, but I don't know that the rest of my family would be so far. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard a yes or no from my husband on how he's leaning. Um, and so the question is that if there were to be a, a major difference of opinion and how confusing that would be for our children growing up and stuff, um, is there a better way to go about it or any specific recommendations um, other than to just kind of follow the verses of, well, if you don't at least follow God, then you've got to give up the rest of it if you really have to. <laughs> well, um, so I would say that our first priority is always to God, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we have to follow our own understanding of God and the truth that He teaches. Um, he will hold us accountable if we don't. If we know something to be true, like if we know the Catholic faith to be true, and we the Catholic understanding of the Christian faith to be true, and we don't embrace it, then we are not embracing the truth. And, and that's something that puts a barrier between us and God. So we need to, because we're violating our conscience at that point. Our conscience tells us, this is true, I need to follow it. And if we say, well, I'm sorry, but for family reasons, I'm not going to do that, 
that's something that that puts a barrier between us and God. And Jesus warns us about this. He acknowledges that there in the Gospels that there can be tough family situations. And he, he even indicates that it can, um, you know, that there will be situations where in a family it's three against two and two against three, and and it, it may not always be peaceful, but he's, he says, I came not to bring peace, but a sword and to cast fire on the world. And so he's bringing this radical message of truth that everybody needs to embrace, but not everybody will. And that, and as his followers, we have to be prepared to follow him and to truly be his disciple and put that above everything else. And so if we know that Jesus teaches uh, that you need to be part of the Catholic Church, then that's what you need to act on. Having said that, it doesn't have to be a difficult situation. I would rejoice in the fact that your husband, at least thus far, seems open, even though he hasn't said which way he's leaning. He's thinking about it, and that's that's good. And in such circumstances, it can be reasonable to take a cautious and gentle and slow approach, you know, rather than making a a preemptive, you know, sudden personal decision, uh, it can be advisable to help one's family uh, come along a step at a time so that uh, they have a chance to learn more and make their own decisions and adjust, uh, you know, uh, to a new situation and think about it and get ready for it emotionally and intellectually. And so um, it's so I would say that you have time um, in working on this issue with your husband, but ultimately, if you come to realize the Catholic faith is the true version of Christianity, then at some point you need to act on that, but it can be reasonable to delay acting on that in the hopes of bringing others along. Okay, Erica? Uh, may I ask a follow-up question that's related? Of course, yeah, of course. All right. Um, so if I continue to learn and accept the truths as I come through them um, and basically become a closet Catholic, I know I can't think of another term to describe that, where I believe, and if someone were to ask me, I would give my opinion and my reasoning and whatnot. Um, do I have to be functionally attending a Catholic church or do I just have to actually believe and do as much as possible what mm -hmm. the church teaches? Okay. In in unless there are grave unless under ordinary circumstances you need a, a Catholic needs to live the Catholic life. And that means going to Mass and receiving the Eucharist at least once a year and confessing your mortal sins at least once a year and uh, and things like that. And um, there are exceptional circumstances where if grave damage was going to be done, then—, then you know, there are reasons one can miss mass and and grave family problems is one of the things that uh, has the potential to to justify that. 
but usually it doesn't go anywhere today. It doesn't go anywhere near that um, needing to happen. And it's there are many people who are in religiously mixed marriages, and for the sake of the family, um, one one spouse may go to mass and then also the same weekend go to church services with their other spouse for the sake of family unity. And so one has an obligation to do as much as one can. If there are grave problems that would prevent it, then um, then God understands that and the Church understands that. But But the goal needs to be living a normal Catholic life, even if it means doing some additional things to help preserve uh, family harmony, like maybe attending two services on the weekend instead of just one. Eric, I got to leave it there because I got to take the break. Thank you very, very much uh, for the call. It's open forum for those coming into the church. Jimmy Aiken, our guest. We'll be right back with more after this. There's only one Catholic Answers Live. We have a big problem. Our culture is dying and souls are in danger of being lost. The answer is conversion to Jesus Christ in His Church. St. Paul Street Evangelization is a Catholic organization, and we have hundreds of teams spreading the good news throughout the country. But we need your help. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Find out more and get involved today at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. (laughs) Mother Angelica Live Classics, every morning, 2 Eastern, on EWTN Radio. Welcome back. Catholic Answers Live. Jimmy Aiken, senior apologist here at Catholic Answers, is our guest this hour. Jimmy's the author of The Bible is a Catholic Book and A Daily Defense, 365 Days Plus One to Becoming a Better Apologist, and a whole bunch of other things. And uh, this month we'll be uh, engaged in a debate with uh, Bart Ehrman. Can somebody in there remind me of the date on that? I don't think I have the, the date. The 24th. The 24th. Uh, I don't need it. Why do I ask you all? I got Jimmy right here on the 24th. And uh, you can get information on streaming if you're not here in the San Diego area or if you're in the area and you'd like tickets, you can go to catholic.com slash debate and uh, check it out. Uh, that's one I wouldn't want to miss, and uh, you can join whether you in person or not. You better not. You're moderating it. Well, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not saying I was having plans of missing it. I just, I'm what I was, I was supposed to be a conditional like, even if I it was wasn't hypo- moderating it. Hypothetical. I yeah. wouldn't want to miss this one, but yes, I am moderating it. Um, and I'm not going to cheat. I don't even know how you would cheat as the moderator, but I'm not going to cheat. Uh, there are ways, but I won't tell them to you, oh, so you won't be tempted. Yeah, please don't. Uh, uh, Roberto in, uh, I'm going to say Tibolo, Texas. I'm going to say that that's how you pronounce it. Uh, listening on Catholic.com, uh, Robert, Roberto, I hope I got uh, the pronunciation correct. Um, it was close. It's uh, below. Yeah, that's what I, okay, all right. Tibolo, I'm going to try okay. to remember. I hope you call again, then I get another try at this. Go, go ahead, Roberto, with your question for Jimmy. Okay. My question is, um, as a Catholic parent, am I obligated to put my child in an RCA or RCIA? 
um, regardless of how she feels about the um, about the faith. How old is your child? Uh, Twelve years old, and a little bit of background. Uh, she's from a previous marriage, and she mm -hmm. has been with the mother since one years old. I know the grandma that she has a lot of contact with over there is a Christian, but I don't think they ever took my daughter to church. And she's going to be living with me this coming up school year for eighth grade and the rest of high school. Okay, so uh, you're not under an obligation to uh, to force her into RCIA because she's of an age where she's past the age of reason, and therefore she um, she can't be baptized against her will, and she and she can't be catechized against her will or anything like that. So I would put that thought aside. What I would try to do instead is um, is is in encourage her to engage with the faith in a way that is positive and winning and um you know, I'd start by having her, you know, inviting her to go to church with you and uh, trying to see if she can get involved with some young people of her own age who were in the Catholic Church and um, and kind of take things from there. But I would try to phrase things in a positive, winning uh, way that would encourage her to become open to and hopefully eventually fall in love with the faith, as opposed to, I'm your dad and you shall respect my authority position, um, because that can, especially in teenage years, which is when she's going to be living with you, um, that can that can be problematic with a teenager. Uh, teenagers are have minds their own, and sometimes coming down too firm can actually push them away, and rather than pushing her away from the faith, we want to draw her towards it. Okay. Well, to follow up, I heard you say invite her to Mass. Uh, does that mean I shouldn't, you know, force her to come, but rather say you don't have to go through the motions, just sit there and observe? But I, fe well, I feel like as a parent, like I'm, I'm obligated to do that while until she's um, out of my household. Mm -hmm. And this is again, it's 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 ultimately a judgment call because since she's not a Catholic, she's not a, a obliged by church law to go to mass, and so um, I would I would say I would present it as just kind of a natural thing. It's hey, in our household, we go to mass on Sundays, and so let's get ready and go. And you don't worry. I understand this is a new experience for you. You don't have to do anything. You can just watch. Um, but I, you know, I'm involved with the church. That's part of my life. You're my daughter. I love you. I want you to be involved in my life, and that includes this part of my life. And then also see about, you know, is there a youth group that uh, you could uh, introduce her to that uh, might help her make some additional contacts in the Catholic Church. All right, thank you so much for that. I appreciate uh, everything you do for the church. and big fan of your apologetics. Thank you so much. Thank you, Robert, very much. Uh, next time, it'll be Tibolo when you call. Uh, we got a, a bit left, and we got a few calls uh, uh, to get to. I think we could probably do it, uh, so we're going to try to get to everybody. Let's go to Rob in anonymous location watching on YouTube. Uh, Rob, we're very grateful for your call. Go ahead with your question for Jimmy. I'll make it quick. Um, I'm in Lent, uh, and I need to find out uh, when does an adult thought become a sin? I mean, what are the characteristics? Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody tells me you have to willingly partake, but 
-hmm. you know, if they pop in and out of your head with, you know, in under two seconds or six seconds or, you know, what are the church's guidelines? And if you want me to, I'll hang up and listen. Mm -hmm. No, no, we'd like you 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 here. Um, So the the three. So the two conditions that need to be met for any kind of sin are, it's really three, but um, one is there needs to be some kind of sinful matter, and having a having the kind of thought you're talking about does provide sinful matter, and then you need to have an awareness of the fact that, that it's sinful, and you need to do so, you need to engage in the action anyway with some degree of deliberation. So it, there has to be an act of the will involved. Merely having a thought occur to you is not sufficient for it to be a sin. There has to be an act of the will where you choose to do something that you know is wrong. And so if you're if a thought pops into your head and you don't say, ooh, I want to camp out and indulge this thought, well, then it's just a temptation. It's not a sin at all. Um, in order for it to become a mortal sin, the kind that you need to go to confession about, you have to have grave matter, and this this kind of thought does involve grave matter, and you have to know that what you would be doing is gravely wrong. So if you just have a thought drift into your head and it takes you a few seconds to realize, oh, wait a minute, I shouldn't be indulging that— well, then you didn't have the kind of knowledge you needed, because even though you may have had back in your memory somewhere, this is wrong, It you didn't realize in the moment that it was wrong, because it just popped into your head and it took you a few seconds to realize. And so if you, at that point, at like two seconds, you realize, oh, this is wrong, and you cut it off or try to think about something else or try to get it out of your head— then you, it's not going to be a mortal sin for certain because you didn't fulfill the third condition that needs to be there for a mortal sin, which is you need to deliberately do it anyway. You fully deliberately, yes, I know this is wrong, I know it's gravely wrong, and I don't care, I'm just going to do this anyway. And unless that kind of consent with that kind of knowledge is there, it will not be a mortal sin, the kind that you would need to go to confession about. So um, fundamentally, there has to be an act of the will where you, with some, for it to be sinful at all in any degree, this is what distinguishes it from temptation. You, uh, you need to have an act of the will that in some degree, uh, where in some degree you deliberately choose to engage in an act you know to be wrong. For it to be mortal, it has to be gravely wrong, and you have to fully deliberately choose to do it anyway, not something that's just due to habit or um, or partial consent, but then you shrug it shrug it off. Um, it has to be full consent for it to be a mortal sin. Now, Rob, does is that clear? Yeah, uh, absolutely, it's clear. If I may say to the venerable Saint Sai, hope you have a good weekend. Uh, uh, no. Thank you to the Gandalf. <laughs> Of uh, of Catholic answers, and I thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. Wait, which thank one you. of us is the Gandalf? Is I is, I assume that's Jimmy. Yeah, that's Jimmy. Yeah. You're the venerable saint. Side, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Jimmy is. Yeah. Well, Jimmy the... is the Gandalf. Yeah. Of Catholic answers. All right. All right. Well, thank you very very I much. I have sometimes been called Gandalf the Red. <laughs> I 
but yeah, I don't remember that Gandalf the Red, <laughs> but but that, but that does seem to fit. Uh, Lucas in Coral Springs, Florida, watching on YouTube. Uh, if you could uh, ask your question quickly, so we'll give Jimmy t- enough time to answer. Sure. So, Jimmy, I, I, my quick question is, you know, with RCIA, they seem to do a better job than like Catholic schools around teaching, uh, you know, the catechism and new catechumens. And I just wanted to get your perspective on that. Well, um, I I don't know how, what how much perspective I have. It's it, if in your area the one group, the Catholic schools or the RCA instructors, may do a better job than others, but that that is not going to be universally true. In some areas, the schools may do a better job. In some, the RCA instructors may do a better job. It really depends on local circumstances. And uh, and so it's going to vary from one location to another. And one of the things that it that will affect that is what has the diocese prioritized in terms of ensuring both that school teachers and RCIA instructors are both grounded in the faith, you know, have they prioritized that, and have they prioritized teaching ability, and have they given either the school instructors or the RCIA instructors the liberty they need to configure things in such a way that they do the best job possible or have they hamstrung them with a bunch of requirements that they a bunch of hoops they got to jump through that may not actually be in the service of helping people understand the faith better but it's really going to depend on local on the local situation yeah, I think if you if you travel to parishes as we do, uh, many of us here at Catholic Kansas, you see it's it's a very varied uh, thing, Lucas. From one spot to the next, you just don't know what you're going to get. What do you think, Lucas? I would agree with you guys because I would say uh, I grew up in the Northeast, uh, down here in Florida. I think from what I've seen, they do actually a really good job, and then I'm just surprised because I look at some of the kids in the Catholic schools that are less grounded. So. It might be exactly what you guys are saying. So, Well, it also can be due to the fact if we're talking, you know, kids versus adults here, people who come to the faith as an adult may be uh, more, they're doing it voluntarily as opposed to, yeah, I was baptized Catholic as a baby and now I'm in a Catholic high school and I don't really care about anything because I'm an angsty teenager. Well, it may not be the school official's fault. It may be the angsty teenager that's at fault. I don't think they say to themselves, because I'm an angsty teenager, though. That would be such a sign of health if they said that. Angsty teenagers often don't have great self-awareness. Right. That kind of self-awareness, you'd go, wow, that kid is on there. They're going to be all right. Lucas, thank you very much. Thanks to everybody else. Uh, We very much appreciate it. And many blessings to all those who are on their way towards reception into the Catholic Church at Easter. You can call any other day, too. You know, we'd love to talk with you. Jimmy Aiken, Senior Apologist here at Catholic Answers. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, that does it for us. We'll see you next time. God willing, right here, Catholic Answers Live.